podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. Scotland have had their fair share of forgettable friendlies over the years. Perhaps another one last night. Scotland defeated 2-1 in Turkey. A game that started poorly and increased with quality throughout the second half, but still not good enough to get a draw or a win in what was the first meeting with Turkey in 62 years. They're a strong team in a pretty intimidating home patch. And we did find it tough. Barry Anderson, who's with me, from the Scotsman to dissect Scotland's last game of the year and the last game before we get into the serious stuff in March with the European qualifiers. So, Barry, Twitter was quite a, a lively place last night despite the low-key nature of the game. I think quite a few people confused with how the game unravelled uh, and the players that Clark selected or didn't select. How do you immediately reflect on it? Yeah, probably the same as, as quite a few people um, on social media. I think it just seemed to be a, a chance to a chance to look at some younger players, which which they did as the game wore on, but should probably have done from the start, I would have thought. Uh, but more for me, it was a chance to try and continue the, the back four that had done so well for us in September, the games in September, uh, beat Ukraine, beat Ireland, and got a very, very useful draw, as it turned out, away to Ukraine. Um, so that proved that, that Scotland, with a back four, works. Appreciate Andy Robertson wasn't fit at that time and wasn't involved, and now he's back, and we change back to a back three. If we're going to be a back three team, fine. If we're going to be a back four team, fine. Personally, I prefer the four, but I, you know, I'm well aware that I probably think quite differently to a lot of people on, on a lot of things. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we're at a point now where we have to decide are we playing a back four or are we playing a three because players, you speak to players generally, they want to know what, what to expect from whether it's a national team or a club side. They want to know are we a back four team, are we a back three, are we picking a couple of systems that we're going to flip between that are maybe broadly similar um, but the, the, most players don't like the chopping and changing uh, of systems particularly from a three to a four because obviously that has knock-on effect of what you do further up the pitch in midfield and your forward line. Um, and I think if Scotland are going to continue to do that, they're, they're going to look a little disjointed and they're going to concede cheap goals as they did on two occasions last night. I thought both goals were really soft and were avoidable. One conceded in the first half playing a back three, one conceded in the second half just after going to a four. Um, and and probably the, big, the, the biggest thing for me out of all of this is that You've got an international friendly, which doesn't mean anything. And you haven't used it as an opportunity to look at a back four with Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson in it. Up until now, we've always played with Tierney left-sided centre-half and a back three and Robertson at wing-back, which has worked on, on several occasions and hasn't worked on other occasions, I accept that. But if you it, surely that was a chance for me to, to look at that back four Tierney left-sided centre-back, Robertson left-back, uh, 
beside Tierney, you could pick Grant Hanley, you could pick Jack Henry, and then you've got a full a right side fullback, um, Calvin Ramsey. It would probably be Nathan Patterson if Nathan had been fit. But it wasn't done, and I, I just I can't quite understand it. And, and maybe I'm sort of trying to second guess here. Maybe Steve Claps decided, well, I'm not going to play the back four with Tierney and Robertson in it um, because I don't think Tierney's big enough to play centre-back in a four. Fine, if that's his reason. Um, I think it could still work with Tierney in a back four for that reason. But Scotland aren't the biggest side generally when you look at smaller guys like Ryan Fraser and Gilmore and John McGinn. You know, we're, we're not, we don't have much of a physical mm. presence in terms of height. So if he's decided that, that's fine. But maybe an explanation would would help here because we have to... I don't, I don't believe myself that we couldn't at least try a back four where, where, it, where people look more comfortable. A lot of Scotland players seemed more comfortable in that four-man defensive system in the September games that I just mentioned. So um, I'd just like to see it and see if it works. Well, have a, have a run through the, the, the starting team because on paper, it looks pretty strong. I mean, we'll come to the goalkeeping situation in a moment. Craig Gordon started. Back three of Henry Hanley and then Tierney. Had Fraser right wing back, Robertson left wing back, McTominay and Gilmore in the middle, and then Dyke supported by Armstrong and McGinn kind of floating around behind them. I think the the odd one out in that lineup is probably Ryan Fraser at right wing back. He's played there a few times for Scotland, uh, and I don't think he's ever really looked at home there. I understand why he, he was played. Uh, Calvin Ramsey eventually did come on for his debut when uh, Steve Clark switched things up. But Ryan Fraser at right wing back, um, similar, I think, to when James Forrest played there a couple of seasons ago for Scotland. Don't think it's don't think it's the right way way to go. Uh, and if Ryan Fraser is in the squad, I think he should be utilised further up the park in a in a four three three, for example. Yeah, you're absolutely bang on, Andy. I think that's, that sums it up perfectly. I mean, Ryan Fraser for me has never really worked at right wing back for Scotland, and that's not his fault. Um, he he's a left winger, albeit a predominantly right footed left winger but he plays his best stuff off the left hand side and we're playing him on the opposite side and in a defensive position for, I, I, I can't really think of too many wingers who do work as wing backs because you have to have that defensive kind of instinct about you and Fraser doesn't have it, I don't think Forrest has it and that's not a criticism of him and I, I just not, it's not a, I mean it's we can be critical of Steve Clark here but Steve Clark has been a very, very good Scotland manager, and we have to recognise that he's, he's that was just that was just third defeat in sixteen games last night. Yeah, exactly. So your stats there back that up. Um, so I'm aware that we're maybe nitpicking here a little bit. Um, I just feel we have looked at Scotland as a team have looked so much more comfortable with that back four. And if you play the four, then it's very obvious you've got your two centre backs, you've got your two full backs. You don't need to crowbar a winger into a wing back slot whether it's Ryan Fraser or anybody else. And I, and I think, going back to your initial point, last night has got to surely have proved that, the, that Ryan Fraser at right wing-back doesn't work. And you're right, a 4-3-3 type setup, 4-2-3-1, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to consider both of these as viable options for Scotland. It would, it would suit them so much better because we do have extremely good wide players in that squad. And if you're playing a back three, you don't get a chance to use those wide players. Well, Clark, after the game, said that the Turkey game showed the depth of Scotland's squad. And by that, he's talking about the changes that he made. So the players that came off the bench last night, six of them in total, McKenna and Ramsey at halftime, 
And then with about 25 minutes to go or so, Christy and Jack came on. I thought Christy actually looked pretty good. So he normally provides a spark for Scotland. And then with just over 10 minutes to go, and I think this is what is frustrating most people um, in the comments, especially John Bleasdale, um, regular con contributor, talking about Lewis Ferguson and Jacob Brown. They got the last 10 minutes plus stoppage time. Those two in the preview pod were pinpointed by myself, Gordon, uh, and, and Gordon um, as the ones that we'd like to see maybe given a goal from the start because we haven't seen much of Jacob Brown. I know he's not on the same form this season as he was last season for Stoke, but you have Lewis Ferguson flying at the moment, getting regular game time in Serie A. I think, he, not, not to suggest he's a better player, not, not suggesting that at all, but I think it might have been more sensible to give him a start in midfield rather than either Gilmore or McTominay. Uh, and also, if you are not going to start Jacob Brown, give him a bit more time than 10 minutes because he must be starting to to wonder what sort of future his Scotland career has here, Jacob Brown, because we've seen players that have been successful in the Championship previously come away repeatedly in international duty and either not make an impact or B, not being given the opportunity to make a proper impact. Yeah, again, I agree. Um, I think where Ferguson's concerned, I would argue that you could, you could easily have left John McGinn out last night, not because he doesn't deserve to play. Of course he deserves to play. If you're picking a Scotland team, then he is one of the first names on the team sheet, if not the first. But we know what John McGinn, John McGinn can do and we know what his best positions are. We didn't learn anything from seeing John McGinn play for Scotland last night. It was a chance to, to put Ferguson in there. And uh, even alongside McGinn, maybe leave Armstrong out. or you know, There's various ways you could have done it. Um. And Brown, yeah, you're right. I could understand him being frustrated. And he's another one who has that pace and an instinct to play as a wide player um, on the right side. So if you're going 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, that would be an opportunity to look at him in that kind of, that kind of context. Um, we definitely did improve. The, the team performance improved after halftime when they changed to a back four and some of the subs coming on. As you mentioned, Christy did quite well when he came on. Um, so that helped, and uh, but by then you're two down, and it's very you know way to Turkey. Turkey's home record's phenomenal, so yeah. um, you're not going to be be hauling that back realistically. You know the, the very we might have snatched a two-two draw, but realistically, I think probably a two-one defeat is about a fair reflection of the match. Thought we should have had a penalty, mind you. Thought it was a Lyndon Dykes that was just wiped out at the corner, rugby tackled as the ball was coming towards him. McKenna as well involved in the same incident. Yeah, yeah, um, good spot. And I think if it had been a competitive game, if you had VAR involved, then obviously they would have looked mm -hmm. at that and you could have ended up yeah. with a penalty and a competitive fixture. Maybe that's why Maybe that's why we didn't get it. The referees probably thought, I can't be bothered with that. I'll just get on with it. <laughs> well, the, the goals, um, and you said at the start that um, with the three at the back when you conceded the first goal it was from a set piece but the defensive line just looked really unorganised all over the place and then when the ball came in from Chalanoglu whose delivery was class all night to be honest a really really good crosser of the ball um, it just looked like McTominay and Hanley didn't know whether they were coming or going to get the ball and uh, the big centre half just managed to wander between them about a yard radius between the two of them and nod at home, good header, Gordon had no chance. But the Warren sign were there previously with that centre-half. He hit, sorry, he hit the bar already. Yeah. But when he eventually stuck the ball home, Hanley and McTominay were, were so far off it. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were. And there's no, whether you, regardless what system you're playing, there's no excuse for that from a set play because your set plays are drilled and, and gone through in the dressing room beforehand. So everybody knows or should know who they're picking up and who, who, the, teammate, who the teammates are picking up. So that I don't think as an isolated incident was, was down to playing a back three. You could argue that the build-up play to the corner was down to playing a back three. You could argue that, the, as you're saying, the kind of disjointed look that we had at times at the back was down to playing a back three. Um, I think that three-man defensive system just leaves too many variables. You know, if a winger decides he's going to play high, who picks him up? Does the wing-back drop back to pick him up? Or does the let, the, one of the, the centre-halves, right or left side, do they come out to pick him up? The, and that would therefore leave gaps and more in the central area. You know, it's I just feel a back four, it's much easier to delegate responsibility in a back four. You know who's to pick up and, and what your jobs are. But yeah, defensively, just cheap goals. Um, kind of unlike Scotland of late, certainly most of this year, they haven't conceded too many cheap goals, you would say. But uh, a lot for Steve Clark to look at, I think. The, the second goal was a, a lovely finish from Chengiz under, but we they came from an attacking position of ours. Bit of deja vu with Armstrong. People were making that comparison um, online when it happened. They, I think it was Robertson bursting down the left acres of space and Armstrong held on to it for a second or two too long and Turkey broke and scored. Our goal was, was brilliant. Fantastic solo run from McGinn and a cracking finish uh, to get us back into the game. And we did kick on from that. I think we, we felt encouraged and incentivised by it, but we're relying on McGinn quite a lot. Um, Alan Risk from the Air Force One account, um, after every international updates, the amount of players that have scored uh, under Clark for Scotland. McGinn is miles in front. I think he, he scored 15 uh, goals for Scotland under Clark. Uh, and the next is Dykes on eight. And after that, it's just kind of a mishmash of people on five or six and below, like Shea Adams, uh, Ryan Christie, etc. But McGinn is, is miles in front. We, I, I'm I'm pleased at how well he does for us consistently, but also is it a bit of a, a worry about how much we seem to be relying on McGinn um, for the goals? Yeah, I think the longer it goes on, the more of a worry it becomes. Um, and I'm with you because I do like the the thought of having a talisman in a team. I think that you know the fans warm to that and there's just something kind of special if, if there's one player that you can kind of look to to, to deliver on a regular basis. Um, but you have to ask yourself then what happens if McGinn's unfit? You know, if what if McGinn gets an injury after New Year, just before the, the Euro 2024 qualifiers are starting and he's maybe out for six months and misses half the campaign or something, and, you know, how are we going to fare? That's where you would maybe think, well, it's a friendly way against Turkey. I'll try Lewis Ferguson in that advanced midfield role and see how he does and see if he's maybe an option in case we need a McGinn replacement. Um, but, yeah, I mean, McGinn and Dykes, Dykes to a lesser extent, but certainly Dykes has contributed a fair bit during Steve Clark's reign. Um, and, and McGinn, at, at the same time, has been so so reliable, so consistent, so ruthless with his finishing, as we saw last night. It was, um, I think it was you that was you that tweeted the comparison to Gareth Bale. Yeah, it was exactly like Gareth what Gareth Bale did in, in the San Siro. Almost cut across the ground at the same level into the corner of the net as well, without actually touching the grass. It was just above ground level. Yeah. That was a great comparison. It's cracking, cracking goal from again. In fact, he, he's he's scored a few belters for us, you know, against uh, Israel top corner, the overhead kick against Austria. That has to be up there, though. I think for John McGinn's quality of strike, I know 
it'll probably fade a wee bit because it was a friendly, just a consolation goal in the end. But a superb moment of quality from a player that is producing these moments of quality almost game after game for us. Uh, the name that a name that's popped up in the mentions a few times. Um, don't want to be too critical of him because he's young. He is struggling for game time at his club, but it's important that Billy Gilmore gets back to playing regular football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very, very important. I think you can see, without being too critical, the the kind of drop off that we've had in Billy Gilmore just in the last uh, just this season, really. And he is the sort of player you can just from the his, his style of play. He does need those regular games, and he's not massively experienced yet at senior level in, in football. So he doesn't have, it's not like a, a 28, 30-year-old who maybe isn't getting too much of a game for his club, but you know you can bring him in and play him as a, as a you know, just as a kind of a reliable type player um, in that type of position. Scotland did it, um, I think, with Alan Hutton a few times when Alan Hutton was out of the picture. Uh, Aston Villa and he would come in and play right back for Scotland pretty pretty well but yeah Gilmore can't can't do that yet he needs the fitness because his game's all about movement you see him constantly moving checking his shoulders on and off the ball and, and patrolling that kind of defensive midfield area and trying to go on the ball and dictate and he, he does need game time but I don't know how you uh, does he need a loan uh, you know if he I think Brighton would probably say he needs to stay there and just fight his way into the team because he is on the bench most of the time. But um, that's not getting him minutes and it's not helping Scotland's cause. On the flip side, you know, going back to McGinn, he's you know, he seems to Aston Villa. Some of them are frustrated with, with his performances this season and he's been left out of the team obviously since Sunai Emery went there. But mm-hmm. every time he pulls a Scotland shirt on, he's usually terrific. So as yeah. long as that continues, that's that's all we need. I think. Uh... I was chatting to someone last night and I thought that maybe Gilmore's way in, depending on how well this player does at the World Cup, because he's having a good domestic season, as Alexis McAllister. If somebody wants to take him off Brighton's hands, that might open up a gap in the midfield for Gilmore to to step into. So he's do, him and uh, Trossard, so Trossard's a winger, mind you, but him and Trossard are standing out for Brighton this season. So if one of the bigger teams in the continent or in the Premier League wants to take McAllister, straight away there's a vacancy and the way that Brighton play um, in the two in midfield um, behind the attackers. So that might be Gilmore's route in if McAllister keeps impressing. Um, I think the, the the awareness just didn't seem there for Gilmore last night. He had a few sloppy passes. He was kind of letting the ball run across his body at strange times and then ended up kind of scrambling to keep possession. Normally so tidy and, and assured of himself in midfield. Um, and when he did start playing for Scotland, it's not like he was playing every week, Billy Gilmore down south. I mean, he, he's still um, impressed despite his lack of game time, but I think it's just gone on for a bit too long now. I think that the Norwich move has uh, has worked against them as well. Um, it took the momentum out of his, his growth a wee bit. So, yeah, important he gets back to to playing and hopefully we'll see the best of him in, the Scotland sh- in a Scotland shirt again like we did um, at a few points last year. Uh, now, let's go to the keeper's situation Barry I fully expected Kelly to play at least a half last night um, or McCrory but probably Kelly um, didn't materialise that seems to be what people are shouting loudest about here and the complaints about lack of rotation and experimentation and what is a meaningless game a couple of things to put to you on that did you expect Kelly to see any game time at all and B if Craig Gordon does get injured and 
Kelly has to come into the team for the Euros completely inexperienced at Scotland level. Is that a problem or is is that not really an issue? No, it's definitely an issue. I think you international football is very different from club football, no matter what country you play in. Um so okay, a goalkeeper at the end of the day, a goalkeeper is a goalkeeper and the fundamentals of the job are the same, but you need that experience. It's not so much for a goalkeeper, it's maybe not so much about um dealing with, with too many different scenarios in an international match. It's more about handling the experience, handling the responsibility, handling a Hamden crowd who at times can get a bit jittery, as you know, um, about handling a hostile away crowd if you haven't experienced too many of those before, you know, against a bigger nation, Spain, for example, if that's what comes to pass. So, yeah, I, I'm, again, I agree. I think that if Gordon wants, I know Craig Gordon wants to keep his eye in. Um, I know that's from speaking to him that he's desperate to do to train every day, play in as many matches as he can. I think he's probably slightly concerned that if he drops off or takes any kind of rest. I mean, obviously, he's got a, a rest coming up now. You know, for a few weeks. If he does that too often, that it might affect his his performance and or possibly even his fitness. So, um, I can totally understand him wanting to play. But I think you're right, the, the easiest uh, compromise would be give him a half and get Kelly on as the more experienced of the two reserve keepers, get him on at half-time uh, and bed him in a little bit because we do we are short of backups to Big Craig as much as he's been extremely reliable since he came back into the Scotland fold. Um, you do need to look at some kind of succession plan, if, if nothing else, because of the chance of injury that anybody can pick up at any time. I think Gordon will probably, you might even know this from talking to him as well, Barry. I'm sure he'll have his eye on breaking into the top three of Scotland Caps of all time as, as it stands. So I think that players like Robertson and McGinn will eventually go on and overtake him anyway. But Gordon is on 74 caps. Uh, Dan Fletcher is third at the moment on 80. So I'm pretty sure that Gordon will be aware of that and he'll, he'll want to get into the top three because, if, if let's face it, if Gordon hadn't got injured, he'd be far and away our most capped player of all time um, so I think getting to third in the list would give him some personal satisfaction I agree with everyone that's in the Twitter mentions though just saying like we, we do need to realise that was he 39 now? Is he, is he 40? Yeah, next month he's 40 next month yeah so um, wait he's 40 next month yeah yeah, yeah. Of so Euro Euro 2024 at 41 and a half years old if we qualify, uh, is that a, is that a stretch? Uh, for most other people, I'd probably say yes. For for Craig, the way he's going at the moment, I would say no. Um, but he's speaking about as Steve Clark mentioned publicly a few days ago that he's Gordon has told him that he wants to play until he's fifty, <laughs> and he wants to be involved in the twenty twenty six World Cup as well for Scotland. So. Um, whether that's a possibility or not, obviously time will tell. We just have to wait and see how he's performing at club level. If he's still playing the way he has been at Hearts in the last year or so, you'd have to say then, yeah, he's going to be involved with Scotland. But it's ten, you know, ten years between the ages of forty and fifty is is a hell of a long time, and, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know if anyone's body could stand up to that in, in modern sport, modern football, with the demands that are on you. Um, yeah, I have to say he's doing extremely well at the moment, and. Rob, Robbie McCrory needs to go and get some game time. Sorry, what was that? Sorry, uh, Robbie McCrory needs to go and get some game time. 
Yep. Yeah, I think uh, he's another one with a little bit of potential. There are some younger keepers coming through below him in the younger age groups, but um, again, if you end up with a situation of Liam Kelly as your number one goalkeeper because Craig Gordon become injured or, or whatever other reason, then you, you need a backup to Liam Kelly, don't you? And, and uh, McCrory's the obvious one. Xander Clark, you would say, would, would be in and about there, but hasn't played since May. Um, literally hasn't had a competitive game, so he's further down the pecking order for that reason. So it's uh, it's a situation that I think we need to look at. It. I definitely do think we need to look at it. Um, but with so many, that goes back to the point they're making earlier. So many competitive international games now, and so few friendlies, which I'm all for because international friendlies can bore the backside off you. <laughs> It's, there's there's little scope to try these things, and that's why I thought last night they just I just expected a wee bit more experimenting. Albeit I do admire um, Steve Clapp's loyalty to these players. I think that's a commendable attribute in any manager, particularly a Scotland group that have done so well for him, you know, in the last year or so. Uh, but I think there's there's definitely chances to, to to blood one or two younger ones now. We'll have a quick look here actually at the the age bracket of most of this Scotland team. Because I remember before the Euros, um, it was myself, Gordon Sheik and Ben and, and the usual crowd, we were saying, you know, most of this Scotland squad are entering their peak now. And um, they were kind of into, like, guys like Robertson and McGinn were heading into the kind of mid to late 20s, 27, 28. And there was only one member of the squad that was over 30 at that point, And I think it was Declan Gallagher, who's not involved any longer. But just having a look here, um, okay, so we've touched on Gordon. Grant Hanley is has just turned 30. Um, Jack Henry's 27. Wow. Um, Scott McKenna's just turned 26. Ryan Porteous is 24 in the springtime. Uh, Scott McTominay's about to turn 26. Lewis Ferguson's just turned 23. Uh, Stuart Armstrong's 31 in March, Ryan Jack is 31 a month before him. So these guys are not old. The guys that I'm talking about kind of heading into their early 30s, they're not old um, by any stretch. People seem to think that we should be looking to move on. Not not everyone, but some people seem to think we should be looking to move on from guys like these now. I would, I would include in that bracket Ryan Jack. Uh, I think Grant Hanley's name was mentioned a few times last night. Craig Gordon as well. Some people um, think that now's the time just to put Kelly in there um, in preparation for the future. Does getting over the hill um, of the 30 bracket start to dilute your credentials at international level at all, Barry? Or is that far too harsh on guys like Armstrong and Ryan Jack who, when fit, still do a good job? Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think you have to take it on a player-by-player -player basis. I, don't, I certainly wouldn't want, you know, Groups of these guys, you know, pockets of three or four, just to be binned for the sake of it because they passed the 30 mark. Um, I think they've been extremely reliable players for Scotland. And you, you could, you know, you have to say they've been, in the last generation, they have been the best Scotland group, you know, because they've got, they've reached a, a major championship, um, got to World Cup playoff, and they've just won the Nations League section to get promotion to, to the A League. So, um, in a, in a relatively short space of time, they've achieved far more than any other Scotland team has since 1998. 
Um, and I, I, I think you have to, they're still playing well. And, and provided they're still playing well at club level, then on a player-by-player basis, you select them. I think the, the concern is, I mean, this group will certainly still stay together for the Euro 2024 campaign and the finals if we get there. And beyond that, the 2026 World Cup campaign. I think beyond that, you, you then will be looking at, you know, a fairly drastic kind of overhaul um, because some of them will be, will have passed their peak. Uh, as you do, players peak at different ages. So Tierney will be approaching 30 at that stage. Sorry, who was that? Tierney, for example, will be approaching 30 at that stage. Yeah, the guys... You'll have, you'll, have, you'll have Nathan Patterson in his mid-20s. Yeah, absolutely. You Guys that you think are young now, mm-hmm. you know, in three, four years' time, they're going to be, not over the hill, you know, but they're going to be the almost at the veteran stage in international football, at least. Um, and you're right, the international level, it's a, it's a shorter shelf life than it is at club level, so you have to be performing at your peak. But I think I don't think we're near that stage just now. I'm surprised to hear people say that, you know, X, Y and Z should be binned because they're reaching a certain age. I think you go on performance level and Craig Gordon's a good example of that because he's still been performing at a high level at, at his club. So if that's the case and, and he's the best keeper you've got, then he plays. And that go, goes for whoever in midfield, whether it's John McGinn or Callum McGregor, who doesn't matter. I actually forgot about Callum McGregor, of course, injured just now, so he wouldn't have played anyway because Postgoglu didn't release his Celtic fellas for, for international duty, but um, he, he's a miss in midfield, isn't he, Callum McGregor? I know that it took him a while, I think, to to really start to show his true quality for Scotland, but once he got to the level of doing that, he hasn't really dipped much for us recently, so I think you have to take into account that he's another top quality midfielder miss, missing um, last night, and he probably would have played um, over McTominay or Gilmore in the holding midfield role. Um, so, yeah, good. it'll be good to get Cal McGregor back for the the games in March, which start with Cyprus at home on the 25th and Spain at home on the 28th. Barry, another well, quick maths here, four-ish, four, four, five months, is it, until then? So, long way to go in terms of fitness and uh, getting the squad together. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously build up to the qualifiers extensively when eventually they, they come along. But are you pretty happy with that as an opening two fixtures for the qualifiers? They're our next two games, Cyprus at home, Spain at home. Yeah, if you're going to take those two in isolation, I think two home games against anybody is is a good start to any campaign. It gives you a good opportunity to get a bit of momentum. Cyprus, you should be beating Cyprus at home. That's an absolute given. Without being disrespectful, if you can't beat Cyprus at home, then... You don't deserve to be going to any tournament. Um, Spain's a different, different animal altogether. Um, I, I remember the the last Spain game at Hamden. I think twenty ten was it? Down and come back to two each, and then lost three two. Um, that was a long time. Was that about two thousand and nine, twenty ten, something like that? Yeah, I think it was the qualifiers for the twenty twelve Euros. Um, I think it was the tail end of twenty ten. Yeah, right. Your memory is clearly a lot better than mine. <laughs> Let me just say. Um, you'll see at this World Cup if, you, if you're watching the games in Qatar just how strong Spain are you're talking about younger players coming through they've done it brilliantly in the last few years you know, they've still got guys like Busquets involved uh, but they've managed to get younger players in Pedri and Gavi and people like that and Sufati the, they are everything to me points towards them being a major force again in world and European football and by that I mean getting to finals and winning them uh, in the next five, six, seven years. 
uh, I think they will be a I think they'll be a huge nation. So extremely tough to beat. Maybe it's a little little advantage for Scotland that we'll be playing them before you know your Pedris and Ansu Fatis and guys like that have actually reached absolute peak and still young developing players, but they'll still be extremely difficult opponents. Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, exciting anyway. The, the the Norway aspect of the draw, just because of two guys, um, it is an nervy one, but we go to them on the third match day. It's Norway away, so that'll be a really tough fixture as well. But until then, we've got a long break now. Um, it's, it's not the first time recently that we've had to wait a while between Scotland fixtures, but that's it. No, no international window now until the end of March, so... What are you going um, to do, Andrew? Are you going to get podcast? Are you going to get podcast done now? Yeah, maybe I have to go down the nostalgia route. Maybe have to get a couple of former players on and start doing the interview pods again. It's been a wee while since uh, no, since we did you. any of that. Um, so yeah, no, we'll figure out something uh, and we'll get the, the pods up. Um, try and aim for at least one or two a month uh, between now and March anyway. Uh, especially with the transfer window coming up, if there are any uh, Scottish players that get significant moves or if. Um, now and again we like to just have a look at the general form of the, the players how they're getting on down in England here or on the continent so yeah, yeah we'll, we'll figure something out uh, and keep annoying you with the posts on the on the Twitter page as well so look, thanks very much for tuning in as well and Barry thanks very much for your time as always not to be for Scotland last night plenty to think about ahead of the games in March and we'll see if Clark goes with the four or the five then Podcast Network.